Big data has gotten too big. Whether you're a B2B marketer or a consumer brand, your data needs to be viable, relevant, and accessible so that Starista can help you retain customers, acquire customers, and make it personal. Welcome to the Marketing Stir Podcast by Starista, probably the most entertaining marketing podcast you're going to put in your ear. I'm Ben, the associate producer here at Starista. The goal of this podcast is to chat with industry leaders and get their take on the current challenges of the market. And we'll have a little fun along the way. In today's episode, AJ and Vincent chat with Jay Jaffin, a CMO at Black Hawk Network. He talks about diverse use cases as a marketer and the effectiveness of a referral program for customers. Vincent sees a Broadway show, and AJ plays 14 hours of tennis. Give it a listen. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Starista's The Marketing Stir. I, of course, am your host, Vincent. Petrofessa, the Vice President of B2B Products and Partnerships here at Starista. Well into season three, into season three, ladies and gentlemen, if you remember from the last episode, I missed a portion of the episode. Yeah, hopefully you listened and you know why, but I'm back, I'm back. How dare I miss it? AJ had too much fun, you know, kicking off the intro. And I'm, of course, referring to my co-host, Mr. AJ Gupta. We'll get to him in a moment. But before, just a, a few words about Starista. Who are we? If you're a new listener, Starista, we are a marketing technology company. We own our own business-to-business data, business-to-consumer data. We help companies utilize that data through our own technology. We send email, acquisition. We own our own DSP called Adster, connected TV, display, OTT, email me. Vincent at starista.com. That is how confident I am. I just gave you my email address. Nice and simple. Doesn't include my last name. Vincent at starista.com. And now back to my co-host. Ladies and gentlemen, I get to see him very soon. Mr. AJ Gupta. Hey, Vincent. How was your weekend? It was great. It was a great weekend. You know, the New York Giants have been winning. By the time this comes out, who knows, they might be losing again and we just get another high draft pick. But weekend was great. I actually went to go see the Broadway show Come From Away, AJ, Come From Away. One of the, you know, you get back to, it's the first show I've been to since the pandemic, as far as Broadway. It was a matinee, it was packed. And, you know, I just, stopped for a moment, took a breath and said, it's good to have people back because concerts have been back, but there's nothing more New York City than Broadway. There isn't, there isn't, in my opinion. And that show was actually going off the air, the air, it was going off of Broadway. It's been on there for many years. So I caught the last of the two performances or three performances. It was amazing. True story about Newfoundland and September 11th, but yeah, it was great. How about yours? I, 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 rumor has it you guys were playing a lot of tennis this weekend. Yeah, I clocked about 14 hours of tennis matches over two and a half days. So that's uh, crazy. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how I'm in uh, one piece still, but uh, actually the whole body hurts right now. So I don't know which parts have survived. We'll find out <laughs> in the next couple of days. Yeah, I know. Isn't it crazy? You're like, wait, I didn't even know I had a muscle in that area. How is it hurting? Exactly. Yeah, it's weird uh, because I'm right-handed and my left shoulder is hurting now, but I think it's from uh, tossing balls to serve. So 
yeah. it's the it's the weirdest thing. Just like, that, just that motion there. It's like I need physical therapy. That that's where we are in life now. It's yep, it's yep. crazy. Did you win? You know, did it, was it like for um, a competition or just for fun? It was uh, kind of for fun, but you know, uh, as as you know, there's not a whole lot our tennis team does just for fun. So wow. uh, there's some competition involved. So yeah, I ended up uh, winning the uh, four five consolation bracket. So we lost to the uh, winners of the main draw, and uh, but we had a pretty good run in the uh, consolation bracket. So we took the uh, other half. So. That's okay. That's all right. Yeah. You guys are just getting ready for the real season. It's uh, it's good. And then uh, when this comes out, maybe it's right around if it comes out in a couple of weeks or so, or maybe we will either be attending ad week or we have just attended ad week. And uh, right. AJ is one of the speakers there on a cool panel, along with Chad Engelgal, who has also been on this podcast, Serge Mata from LG ads. There's also uh, there's also Mebulin Fran uh, Francisco. Right. So it's a great panel at ad week. Looking forward to that and everyone coming into New York City. But let's get into it, AJ. We've got, I, I love doing this podcast because we get to meet so many great people, so many great guests. And this platform allows us to do it because, you know, I would love to meet Jay in person, a little sneak peek of who's coming on because, you know, I, as conferences come back. But this is the second best thing. The next best thing is being able to do this. Ladies and gentlemen, a please a warm welcome from our Marketing Stir listeners to the CMO of Blackhawk Network. Ladies and gentlemen, Jay Jaffin. What's going on, Jay? Hey, Vincent. Wow, I was just enjoying listening to you guys talk about your weekend. It was, that was fun. I will tell you, it's it's kind of interesting. You uh, you mentioned like getting a little sore, AJ. I completely uh, can, can relate to that. What makes it worse is I've got a 15-year-old son now that is like, a better athlete than I could ever wish to be. And I go to his meets uh, every Saturday and he gets done with this race. He averages like a five minute, 20 second mile for three wow. miles. And like, I just, I feel like throwing up just watching him. It's just like, mm -hmm. he's just, and then he gets done. He's like, oh yeah, you know, I'm good. I'm ready for the next race. It's like, oh my gosh, I just, you know, I can't even remember when I was in that good of shape. So anyway, yeah, thank I you agree. for having me. I definitely yeah, I, agree. I, I can uh, I can remember, unfortunately, but uh, I I cannot uh, even attempt to do a five minute mile anymore. No. So no way. Yeah, I can't. I, can, I can't even get dressed in five minutes anymore. It takes it takes a long <laughs> it takes a long time. I you know we we talk about to our listeners here. They know that uh, a few months ago I like sneezed awkwardly and I had six weeks of physical therapy. True story. True story. I guess you know. Yeah. That's happened to me. I I, I oh. sneeze and like like you screw up something in your back. You're like, yeah, what is wrong with me? Oh, <laughs> I know. I was good. So it's not just me. Thank you, Jay. Yeah, you know, for for helping me feel better about that. But Jay, it's so awesome to talk to you again. I I want to get right into it here. You know, the CMO Blackhawk Network. Talk to the listeners there. Blackhawk Net Blackhawk Network. What is it? What, what's some of your roles there as the CMO, your day-to-day? -day? I'd love to learn more about it. Sure, yeah. Well, <clears throat> maybe I'll start with who Blackhawk is. Um, Blackhawk Network, you know, our origin business, what we call our origin or our legacy business, really started about 20 years ago inside uh, Safeway, which is, uh, you know, one of the largest grocery retailers. And our CEO, Talbot Roche, who was uh, part of Safeway at the time, 
kind of co-founded this company and they had this great idea. They were trying to do what retailers are always trying to do, which is figure out how to get new segments into the store, how to increase foot traffic, how to increase basket size. And they had this great idea. They're like, look, what about gift cards? You know, let's try that. And they set up the first gift card mall within a store, which are those racks that you typically see at an end cap or at the end of an aisle. And the rest is really history. It did really well. It, it you know, accomplished and exceeded the goals that they set out. And it just sort of built from there. And you know, it got to the point where it was a big enough business to spin out. And so it went public. And you know, about four years ago, Silver Lake Partners brought us private. Um, and that was really so we can do a lot of the integration work. We had uh, done a ton of acquisitions over the years. And um, there was an opportunity for us to get some of that hard work done um, so we could really accelerate our growth trajectory. So that's sort of the business at a high level. Let's talk a little bit more at the, the ground level about what we do. Um, you know, today, uh, we still do gift cards. That's the origin business. We do so much more than that, though, in the payment space. Um, we've got about 37,000 corporate and government and not-for-profit partners worldwide. Um, we operate in 28 countries. Um, and really, you know, that partnership, what we call the network, that's why we call ourselves Blackhawk Network, because it's that network of partners that's really the power behind our business, enable us to offer the widest selection of branded and customized gift cards in the world. I like to think of us as bringing branded moments of delight to consumers. You know, that moment where you get that gift card and wow, all of a sudden it's like, it's free money. Doesn't it feel that way when you get it? And, you know, you get excited. And um, so, you know, who doesn't love being in that kind of business? Um, you know, a little bit more about just our footprint. You know, we've got about 400,000 locations and points of presence worldwide. So we sell in, you know, a, a ton of different places. You know, we sell across the digital landscape. So we've got our own websites like giftcards.com. Got partner sites like Ibotta. Um, you know, we also enable the programs of a lot of our large brands like, you know, Starbucks and Home Depot. Um, and then, you know, the use cases beyond just that, you know, what we all know of as a gift card are really limitless. You know, we've got um, our products, you know, help enable employers, for example, who want to reward their employees to do so in very unique ways. Um, we integrate with loyalty programs. So you think about your favorite airline loyalty program, financial institutions like Chase, um, they're allowing their customers now to cash out some of their points uh, for gift cards, you know, because what they found is that that's what consumers want. Um, or as a consumer incentive, that could be for taking a survey, for buying a new product, um, or as a rebate on a new set of tires, you know, such a diverse set of use cases. Um, and as the CMO here, I, you know, that one is a much more, uh, is a much simpler answer. I do marketing here. So I've got a, uh, an amazing team of marketers. I've been here about four months. Um, so I'm fairly new to the game. Luckily for me, I've got an incredible team. Uh, everything from content, demand gen, brand marketing, uh, PR and comms. And then of course, we've got teams all over the world that, execute locally uh, and help us drive demand and, and leads uh, locally. So that's a little bit about us and me. Nice, yeah, no, thanks for that. Uh, you know, the explanation, Jay, really paints a, a nice picture there. Uh, Jay, you're new there, but you know, you're certainly not new to marketing or you know, even CMO. 
uh, some great organizations as well that you've worked in in the past. Talk to us about how you got into marketing. It's one of our questions that our listeners love because it's a variety of different stories. So talk to us how you got into marketing. Yeah, I um, probably like a lot of people in their careers. I, you know, part of it is um, time and place and part of it is, you know, the direction you're purposely heading or trying to push your career. Um, I had a um, an interesting start in marketing, though. I, I studied economics at UC Berkeley. I was in my head, I was going to go work for the Federal Reserve and be a policymaker and go get a PhD. And wow, what a bad idea that would have been. Uh, just, you know, I respect those people, but it just I in retrospect, like that w wasn't going to be me. Like and I, you know, luckily, I realized that early on. Yeah, I was going to school in the late 90s, um, this in, in the Bay Area, exciting time, you know, this is when the dot-com boom started, and yeah, I had a lot of friends who were doing some really, really interesting things out there, and, you know, a couple of them convinced me, hey, look, PhD, eh, maybe later, not right now, so, you know, so I, uh, I started to work, um, ironically, again, in the Bay Area where tech was booming for a research company, not necessarily a tech company, but uh, it was a company called IRI, Information Resources. They, uh, their claim to fame was they got the scanner data off of, you know, grocery, mass merchant retailers. And my job was really to uh, create analytics around that. I've always been quantitative in nature uh, and try to sell marketers, brand managers, VPs of marketing at CPG companies, you know, the value of that data. And um, it was a great way to start. You know, it, it let me sink my teeth into something that touched marketing because I always had like an interest in marketing. I never saw it as a career, but in those early days, I realized, wow, this is really interesting stuff. I love connecting dots. I love analytics, but I also love when you could apply that to real world stories. So stories about how you know your actions as a brand manager are translating into consumer demand. Um, so anyway, to make the rest of the story short, uh, from there, I ha had a couple of other gigs. I wanted a startup. I got recruited by Verizon, uh, who was one of my clients at, at a moment in time to go run loyalty marketing for Verizon. And that was really my first pure marketing role. I had a great 16-year run at Verizon, did a number of different things, great organization, great culture. Um, you know, my last role there was, uh, I was the CMO of uh, what they call Verizon Connect, which was uh, really focused on connected vehicle technologies. Uh, from there, I spent a couple of years at Western Union as their CMO and head of their digital channels. And then here I am at Blackhawk Network. Jay, that's a pretty cool story. Uh, Verizon is actually one of our larger clients, so great to hear about that. Excellent. So tell us a little bit about how Blackhawk helps companies build out robust uh, customer loyalty programs. Sure, yeah. There's, um, again, like virtually any way you can think of. I mean, there's such a diverse set of use cases, even within the you know, the world of loyalty programs. So, you know, one of the more obvious use cases is what we've all probably used as marketers at some point in time is a referral program. You know, whether you're referring a friend as a new customer uh, or, you know, maybe it's an existing customer you want to try to get to, uh, to try a new product or service you're offering, um, we can enable that for organizations. Um, you know, maybe you want to engage your base of customers and reward them for retweeting a post or leaving a review. You know, we know how important reviews are. And, you know, we do a lot of research, a lot of studies. And, 
you know, what our prospects tell us is they always want, not only do they want to see that four to five star review, but they want to see lots of them. On average, people say they want to see at least a hundred reviews. Um, you know, my old world of telecom, you know, Verizon, um, we used to run these upgrade incentive programs. So, hey, get a hundred dollars towards your new phone. And, um, you know, if, if you upgrade today, and we would typically drop that onto the customer's bill. And that was a very easy way for us to operationalize it. Um, we figured, hey, that's exactly what customers want, right? They just want the cash on their bill as a credit. Um, but what we found actually over time, you know, as you try to optimize your program is customers actually prefer to get a gift card. It was overwhelming, the feedback. We would ask them, you know, hey, here are the different ways we could reward you. Tell us what you want. Gift cards more desirable than a bill credit, which I thought was interesting. Um, so, and if you think about the psychology psychology of it, like I said um, at the start, you know, you get excited when you receive that gift card. It almost feels a little bit like free money. Um, so you have this moment between the brand and the consumer that is, you know, it's, a, it's an equity reinforcing moment for the brand. Um, it's also a guaranteed repurchase. You know, the way we executed our program is we sent them a Verizon gift card, and that was good for any Verizon product or service. Now, the customer could apply it to their bill if they wanted to, but we saw the vast majority of them actually used it to buy something incremental from us. That could have been a headset, um, some other accessory. It could have been, you know, uh, uh, a piece of content that they get off the, the app store. So, Look, I, I, there's so many different use cases we could go on and on, but I think, you know, the loyalty programs in particular, given how important they are to businesses right now, I think are, you know, the, that sort of right in our um, strike zone, so to speak, in terms of what we see our customers, where we see the demand coming from, from our customers. The employee retention has become a big problem for a lot of companies uh, with a lot of people changing jobs in this economy. So can you talk to us a little bit about how companies can effectively use the rewards program to retain employees? Sure, yeah. <clears throat> rewards are, you know, what we find, again, through a lot of our research is that what consumers feedback is that rewards programs are most effective when they're immediate, meaning you reward me for something I did recently, and they represent real value to me as the recipient. And sometimes it's that second part that's really hard to gauge. Um, what does real value mean? Well, it means something different to me than it might mean to Vincent, right? And but you know, as a as a you know, as you're setting that program up, you have to make some of those decisions. Um, you know, when we ask uh, respondents of those surveys, ninety percent of them. Uh, say that gift cards are the most desired option. And, you know, again, I think it's because of the flexibility they they offer to the, re the recipient. Um, again, I'll go back to my experience at Verizon. You know, I managed the customer loyalty program for a number of years. We would use, so I talked a little bit about the, you know, the upgrade incentives, right? But the, there was also the um, incentive for our own teammates to execute those programs. So we would run SPIFs. Every sales team has some form of SPIF that they run. Well, we would run these in our call centers and we would uh, use that as an offer or a reward to um, uh, renewing lines of service or adding new service for, for customers. So we would give the employee the reward for um, taking the appropriate action with the customer. You know, rep might make another hundred bucks in a week, which is great. 
Um, but again, it would be buried in their paycheck, much like the example I mentioned with the customer where we just drop it on the bill. It's in some respects, it's transparent. It's not very visible to the employee. And when you're giving a reward, you want it to feel tangible. You want it to be visible. So we started looking at Visa gift cards and overwhelmingly our employees said, yes, that's what I want. I don't want the you know, cash that gets buried on my paycheck and I don't even notice it. Um, I want the Visa gift card. And so, you know, there at the time, that worked really well for us. And we started to see really good results. But the challenge then was it wasn't, it didn't hit that immediacy factor. You know, it was relevant, but, you know, it took us six weeks to get the gift cards out. And, you know, you don't send it all the, every week. So you have to drop them in batches. Well, now that's changed. And now we have tools available to all of us to drive that immediacy of reward. And I think about something like our BHN Rewards platform is a good example. We just launched an integration with Microsoft Teams that you as a manager or you as a peer can instantly reward someone else in the organization through Microsoft Teams. Just drop them a $5 Starbucks card, for example. It's a great way to achieve that immediacy as well as the, uh, you know, the relevancy. I, I love that, Jay. I am a huge fan of gift cards. And, you know, so anyone listening, whoever wants to send me a gift, please do so in the form of a gift card. <laughs> I'm kidding, but like, no, I, I'm a huge fan of gift cards. And I love that, that little thing, uh, you know, something that uh, a nice gesture, a teammate does something for you. I think it's, it's nice. People like getting them. I know even when like personally exchanging gifts, like, oh, it's not as personal. No, give a gift card. They really want that. They just don't say it. Anyway. I'm just going off on a tangent here, but talk to us about, Jay, about how companies can utilize the, the rewards program, you know, other, you know, financial technology solutions in their own marketing solutions, you know, kind of if they're looking to get new customers. Talk to me about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, back to loyalty programs, I mean, look, nine out of 10 Americans belong to at least one loyalty program. And my guess is, you know, the three of us here on the call, we could probably think of five or six right off the top that, that we belong to. And so, you know, it's key in any loyalty programs, delivering that value both to the consumer and the business. And, um, you know, we used to, I've mentioned the switching bonuses and the upgrade bonuses that we used to run, you know, airlines find this uh, is a great way for their um, members to burn through points. You know, those points that they carry on their balance sheet are a liability. And, one of the best ways to get a consumer to cash those out is to offer them the uh, reward of a gift card or a digital gift. Um, Vincent, you know, just uh, to, to uh, dovetail on your tangent, you know, you mentioned like that, you know, like people do, they have this like this, um, this perception that gift cards are impersonal. And, and I actually, I think that could be true, but there's alternatives to that, you know? And, and by the way, everyone's different. You know, what's impersonal to you, it's free cash to me and I love it, you know, like that. <laughs> so, so there's a little bit of like knowing your audience, but you know, we, what we started to do over the last few years based on this feedback is starting to cur uh, curate these, uh, what we call our choice gift cards. And those are gift cards that are thematic. So pack and go, you know, where you've got a, a bunch of brands that you can use that gift card against you know, where you're going on a road trip or retail therapy, you know, you've got a bunch of retail brands. And so point being is that if you, you understand who you're giving that gift card to, 
um, you can wrap it around a theme that's something that you understand your recipient likes. You know, I like traveling. I like going to restaurants. I'm a foodie. But give them the choice of multiple brands. That what we have found is the sweet spot between, you know, giving a, a gift card, but also making it feel personal. Um, so anyway, I'm digressing. A couple other, let me just give you a couple other uh, thoughts though on, on your question specifically. You know, we, uh, we've got APIs with companies like Qualtrics, for example. So Qualtrics is a big survey uh, platform. They're a SaaS-based survey platform. And, you know, if you're a business, which many businesses do run Qualtrics surveys, you can use gift cards integrated within the platform as an immediate way to reward those respondents to try to get your, you know, your, your counts up. Um, if you're running a webinar, we do a lot of webinars. I mentioned all the research we do. We, we run webinars to educate our customers and prospects on some of those findings. You know, we could reward those participants on the spot with a gift card through the webinar. So again, lots of different examples. And, you know, I should mention there's, there are the physical gift cards that we all sort of know and love, but more and more we're, we're operating in a digital world. And mm -hmm. what we find is that, you know, more and more the distribution is digital. It's an e-code that you could drop into a wallet or to your Amazon account. Well, and, and I want to stick sort of that, like, you know, digital, that kind of theme, but how are NFTs and crypto changing the landscape of your work? Any new changes or trends? Yeah, there are lots. I mean, I think everyone, uh, whether they want to or not, is is trying to figure out how to play in this world. Mm -hmm. um, I. I have a very simplistic view of it. I, you know, for me, crypto specifically is about choice and accessibility. Um, you know, as I mentioned, our name's Blackhawk Network purposely. You know, we we think about that network uh, as our competitive advantage. It's really about our partners, and and that's one of our superpowers is just matching. You know, distribution partners with card partners with consumers. Um, but you know, one of the other ways we we try to service our customers is helping them understand how to play in these new worlds. So, um, you know, we've got a, a partnership with Liberty X, which is allowing you know consumers to purchase Bitcoin and crypto at hundreds of retailers across the U.S. So we brought that to some of our distribution partners who want to play in this space. Um, NFTs. I have an even more simplistic view of M NFTs, partially because like. I'm not the target market. I'm not in this like day-to-day, -day, like some folks are trading NFTs all over the place. I'm not gonna spend, you know, $10,000 on the latest, you know, whatever. I, I'm, I'm gonna embarrass myself if I even try to recall the, the big uh, NFT projects. But um, to me, NFTs are like marketing candy. You know, it's it's a new tool we can use. And yeah, you know, it's what, exactly what we did. Uh, you know, a few months ago, we ran a, um, a promo with one of our card partners on our website, giftcards.com. And, um, you know, we just wanted to see, hey, if we give away an NFT for the first X number of people that buy this, this card, what's it going to do? And man, we saw order of magnitude change in performance. Like in 48 hours, we sold out and which was much faster than we thought we would. And what I think it tells us is, you know, these are tools that can help drive our business. And you know, as good marketers, like we always have to be testing and learning. And, you know, that was a successful test. There are plenty of failed tests that, that we do, have done along the way. And, you know, you just have to figure out, like, especially when you've got new tools like this or the metaverse, like, 
what's, you know, where we play, what's our role in this? And that's going to be different for every company. Jay, a little bit more personal question. So you experience in sales, uh, which is a little bit unusual for marketing sometimes. Uh, how has that helped you with the marketing strategy? Oh my gosh, tr tremendously. I mean, I honestly, I, I will tell you, so I've, I've done a couple of different, you know, what I call sales roles. I, I managed, um, <laughs> I managed a, a, a sales team in, gosh, was, I think it was 2007, and it was like a month after AT&T and Apple announced they were going to have the iPhone exclusively, and here's Verizon left with nothing, and it was like we all knew, like, oh my gosh, this is going to be painful, so they stuck me in sales. I have no idea what the heck they were thinking, but they did, So, and we got through it, thankfully, but um, you know, so I, I did that. I, I managed, you know, as I mentioned, the, the digital business at Western Union. So I had that P&L. So I like to consider myself a sales guy because, you know, I had a quota. Um, but, and, but I will tell you that the most, and I'll get to your point, I, I'm taking a long way around. The, the most impactful sales role I had was actually, I spent a week this was when I was running a marketing team. I think I was running the loyalty organization at Verizon. I spent a full week, like bell to bell at a store, at a Verizon store. Um, so there are a few things I learned from that. One is, um, you know, even at that time, I was too old to be standing for eight hours at a time. Man, you can't play. If you haven't done a job like that, you don't underestimate like how tired you are at the end of the day. Um, but more importantly, what I learned is that up there at the ivory tower where many of us work in marketing and we design these great programs man if they're not executing at the point of purchase at the point of sale where the rubber hits the road with the customer your program will never work and the other thing i learned is that it's very difficult to understand if you're going to get good execution by sitting in the ivory tower so it taught me an important lesson which is go out there into the field you know, talk to customers, be with customers, be with employees, you know, uh, sit in the call center and listen to calls for a day, see how these things really go. You'd be amazed. And I think, you know, that's, I think that's good sound advice, not just for marketers, but for any support function. Um, you don't appreciate the impact of your actions until you see it in action. That's a great way to answer that, Jay. And related to that, how do you make sure marketing has a say on the revenue table? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, I would say that that used to be a problem. I, I would say it was a problem for marketers, you know, generally, call it 10, 15 years ago. I think we're now at a point where um, we're seeing that, you know, marketing does have a seat at the table more often than not, not always, but more often than not. I would say for me, you know, a lot of it is speaking a common language, um, being able to talk to the sales team in terms of what motivates them, um, being able to talk to the finance team in their language, the technology team in their language. Um, you know, you do need to be all of that as a modern marketer. You need to be part technologist, part financial engineer, you know, part salesperson. Um, so you have to be able to speak the language of your constituents. That's one thing. Second thing, which is sort of related, is bring data to the table. Um, you know, far too often in the past, I think marketers have gotten sidelined 
uh, either because A, they didn't bring data to the table or they spoke in their own marketing data language like brand love and likability. And look, as marketers, we get why that's important. And I'm not underestimating the importance of those brand metrics, but it's very hard for a sales leader who's got a quota, who needs to hit his number today to appreciate that sort of thing. And so I remember if, if I could tell a quick story, hopefully it'll be quick. Um, I, you know, I, I've always grown up, as I mentioned, as a quantitative marketer. That's just like how I'm wired. That's what I went to school for. So, so it's a little easier for me. And I probably, that's part of the time and place, by the way, in my career, I happened to be entering marketing at a time where the quantitative marketer was starting to be valued. And remember, this is when email was starting and web marketing was starting. Now, all of a sudden, we had metrics that we could rely on. But I remember there was a moment in uh, at, at my um, past at Verizon, I was running media and advertising for the wireless business unit. It was like early in the year, we were starting to form our plans for the holiday. And um, we had a real brand love issue. We had a brand attachment issue. You know, we were, people loved the, um, the what I would call the sterile qualities of our service, meaning like, you know, there wasn't emotion involved. They loved the network. They knew we delivered great service, but we weren't getting the emotional connection with our customers. So we were trying to figure out how we solved that. And we were going to wrap it around a, a big holiday pro program. And we had this brilliant, I thought brilliant idea, which was, uh, you know, and our agencies helped us with this. We had sort of an agency bake off. And the idea that rose to the top was we were going to, we we're going to claim ownership of a holiday. We were going to call it Connection Day. It's the day before Thanksgiving. Uh, and, you know, think about it. It's the day where America goes mobile, right? They're, they're trying to get to their friends, family, and loved ones to spend Thanksgiving weekend with them. But what do you see and hear all over the news that day? You, you, all you see and hear are the snowstorm in Minneapolis or uh -huh. the delayed flights in New York or there was a train that got derailed or whatever, whatever. Like just like it's all bad news. But and it's it's all about delays to getting to your loved ones. So what we said is like, look, we can we can play there. We have a space there where we could deliver digital goodies to our customers free of charge on Verizon, make your journey a little more pleasant. And then you're thinking about Verizon in a very positive light as you get ready to do your holiday shopping, right? That was the idea. Well, it landed with a thud with management because they're like, okay, that's great. You know, we, we, we understand, but we got to drive sales. Like this is about Black Friday. What are you talking to me about brand love? And so it was a great lesson because what we did is we went back, we re-engineered the program. And in fact, we didn't really change the program much, but it forced us to think about where the value was. And for us at that time, the value was not only the brand love, but the fact that we knew tens of millions of people would come to our website, to our landing page. And that represented a massive retargeting pool for your holiday messaging and for your ads and for your, your special offers. Once we presented that and did the math around that, everyone loved the program and, you know, wound up being our best holiday to that point uh, that we had had at Verizon. So it, uh, it turned out well. Oh, no, I love hearing that. And especially when you're it's like, well, money, money, money. It's about sales. No, it's about it's about people and showing that. And then it, people remember that. And yeah. 
and it'll come back to us. And I love that story. Jay, Black Hawk Network, in your words, how would you say you separate yourselves from your competitors? Um, I, you know, relationships are important to us. And I know it's easy to say that. And it's hard, you know, it's really the proof's in the pudding around that. So, you know, I and I hope that if you asked any of our partners, they would say that same thing. And I'm confident they would. And I'll tell you, again, I've been here four months, you know, I haven't seen us go through a full cycle, so to speak. But we, you met, you guys mentioned like getting back together and in-person events and oh my gosh, how awesome is that? So we've done a couple of uh, partner events over the last month. We brought in all of our distribution partners for what we call our fall planning, which is really about Q1 planning. Uh, and then we brought in our sales partners um, uh, for our partner summit. Man, first off, people love seeing people again. You know, there's just pent up demand for that sort of thing. But, you know, hands down what I heard, because, you know, my role there was really to just talk to our customers and learn, learn about Blackhawk, learn what we're doing well, what we're not. That was always my question. What are we doing well? What can we improve upon? And, you know, by far the, the, the resonant feedback was you take the partnership seriously. This is about, you know, us coming to the table, meaning our customers with their business problems and Blackhawk helping to solve that and not just disappearing once we make the sale, but continuing to work with our partners. And that's why we do a lot of the research and deliver the insights because ultimately we will succeed if our partners succeed. That doesn't just mean selling them the next you know, gift card product that we have, but it's more about how they approach their audiences and how they connect with their consumers. And that's, that's how we think about things. And I think that's, you know, that's what our partners appreciate. Yeah, no, th thanks for breaking that down. The, you know, one of the questions we always like to ask Jay is really about like, well, how has the pandemic affected marketing? But let's talk about, let's move past that. Let's talk about really like, you know, the next, what are you excited about at Blackhawk Network the next six months? Uh, I know you're doing some planning, like you mentioned uh, about uh, really rolling into the year. Do you, uh, are you a traditional year uh, that you guys do your, your planning? So just, yeah, if so, what are you looking forward to next year there? Yeah, I I am looking forward to, you know, we are, I mentioned earlier, we are a product of a lot of acquisitions. You know, we started within Safeway. That was the origin business. It grew from there. And then over the years, like a lot of businesses, we, we made a bunch of acquisitions and um, we haven't fully integrated all of those acquisitions. And, you know, actually I would say we've done a, uh, a, a really good job in the product and technology world um, we haven't yet addressed sort of the front door, right? I, we've got all these legacy brands across the world that we've just sort of left as legacy brands. And I think there's a real opportunity to roll all of them together, um, be one Blackhawk network, you know, reimagine our visual identity and everything else and, you know, start to, um, you know, uh, make sure the equity that we drive and market um, ladders up to Blackhawk Network and not all of these legacy brands. So, you know, as a marketer, that's something that gets me excited because, you know, it's not often that you get to do a rebrand like that. And, and it's a big deal. Like these are decisions you're making today that hopefully will impact you for the next 10, 20, 30 years to come. So you've got to be very thoughtful about it. So the team right now, we talk about walking and chewing gum. You know, we've got the holiday in front of us clearly our most important time of year. So we're walking, we're running. 
Um, but we're chewing gum by planning for the future. And uh, that's what I love. I love to, you know, those kind of two speeds of operation. And that's sort of squarely where we are right now. Jay, one of my favorite questions on the podcast, it's one of our staples, is regarding LinkedIn. I'm sure with your title, you probably get twice as much uh, junk, if not more. Uh, so would love to know, you know, what's something that you enjoy receiving that you'll actually reply to? And more importantly, what annoys you? <laughs> I'll probably offend some people. I apologize. <laughs> right. Let's start with the good. Let's start with the good. The um, I love authentic human stories on LinkedIn because you know what? Like, look, we all go on there and oh, I'm so proud to be recognized for this award or oh, I just started a new job. And those are important. Don't get me wrong. And that's a big part of what LinkedIn is. It's a professional social networking network. But, you know, every now and then someone posts a really powerful human story that gets you, you know, um, you know, some, something that uh, talks about perspective, you know, a child that just overcame cancer or a loved one that recently passed and learning about all the things that he or she taught that person. Like, I love those. I really do. I actually spend the time to read those. Um, you know, the things that drive me crazy, I, you mentioned you get a lot of, you know, you get a lot of outreach um, is probably the best way to put it. And, uh, you know, every now and then I'll get, hey, Rob, hey, Joey. It's like, well, no, that's not me. And, you know, <laughs> the, or you'll get the, as uh, as a marketer at Blackhawk, you're probably uh, worried about blah, blah, blah. It's like, uh, just, you know, the ones, the solicitation notes that really get my attention are, are the genuine ones, probably like the authentic human stories. You know, I've gotten from people like, you're probably not going to read this, but like, those are the ones I read, you know, <laughs> yeah. so just because like people are being real. You have had a great career in marketing with some great organizations and titles, what would you say uh, you attribute a lot of your success to? Oh, yeah, I definitely time and place. I, you know, I hate to say it that way because, you know, that's sort of out of people's control. But, you know, I tell my kids this too, because like, you know, when they get discouraged, like they had a bad game or they got a bad score, it's like, look, sometimes just stuff happens. You know, sometimes really good stuff happens. Sometimes not so good stuff happens. And that's okay. That's part of life. It's learning. So for me, it's capturing those learnings, um, taking advantage of the time and place to the extent I can. I screw up plenty of things. I get some stuff right. And you hopefully you're going two steps forward, one step back in that process. Um, and good mentors. Like, honestly, I've had some, I've been so fortunate to have really good leaders around me. And when I when when you come across a really good leader, like you latch on to them, not in a sort of weird, creepy, like, you know, way, but like, <laughs> you know, but like just you stay in touch with them. You ask them for advice. And um, you know, I find that people are always willing to give that to you. You know, people like I like talking about myself. We all like talking about ourselves. You know, when someone reaches out to you and asks for career advice or life advice, yeah, more often than not, they're willing to give it to you. So don't be shy, you know, look for those mentors. And sometimes your mentors aren't official mentors. You know, there's someone that you admire the, the way they work or what they do. And, you know, you just learn from them as you observe. And Jay, personal side, what do you like to do for fun? You're out in sunny California there, right? So what's, uh, take me through a weekend. What do you like doing? 
Well, weekend these days are all consumed by kids' activities usually. So I've got uh, uh, three wonderful kids. I've got uh, an 18-year-old daughter who we just sent off to college, so I'm oh, still nice. dealing with that. Um, we've got a I've got a 15-year-old boy who loves running track and cross country, and and then a 13-year-old boy who is a future Wayne Gretzky. He is a San Diego nice. hockey player. Not a lot of those. Around. No, that's awesome. Yeah. So, so do kids events. Um, you know, I like to run when I, I get a chance to, I love traveling, you know, I, I love taking my son uh, this winter to uh, my 15 year old to do the Grand Canyon, uh, which will be nice. fun. So we're going to, we visited Morris tourists a few months ago and he promised me, or he made me promise I would hike down to the bottom with him and camp down there. So that's what we're going to do. Uh, so that's sort of the thing we like to do. Just a lot of good outdoor activity with the family. That's amazing. Oh, no, we appreciate, uh, you know, your time, Jay. We appreciate your story. And, you know, our listeners will, you know, really appreciate that as well. I'm sure of it. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Jay Jaffin. He's the CMO of Blackhawk Network. That's AJ Gupta. I'm Vincent Petrofessa. This has been another episode of The Marketing Stir. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to The Marketing Stir podcast by Starista. Please like, rate, and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, please email us at themarketingstir at starista.com. And thanks for listening.